Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Out of Grief Comes Art. I'm Elizabeth Copeland. And I'm Hallie Williams. And we are here today with an amazing new, new to us talent, Katharina Thomas. Do I have that right? Is it Katharina? You do. That's oh, right. Oh, great. Thank you. Beautiful name. And I want to say that I'm particularly excited because this, um, Katharina came to us from a post I did on the Columbia School of Narrative Medicine, Narrative Medicine Facebook page, yeah. so showing the power of social media and starting conversations. And I was specifically looking for someone who has um, maybe academically, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but we'll get into more uh, what Katharina does in, in the first place. But uh, so, so far up to this point, our guests have all been people, wonderful people that I have personally known on some level. And uh, so I'm really excited to get to know you, Katharina. But before we launch into the official interview, we want to thank our sponsor. And today our sponsor is... People's Memorial. Yay, people! we love People's Memorial. Yes. This podcast is sponsored in part by People's Memorial Association, the trusted resource and thought leaders for funeral choice, education, and advocacy in Washington State. PMA is the oldest and largest memorial society in our country. For 83 years, this nonprofit organization has been helping people make informed decisions through their classes, free legal resources, and planning tools. Visit their website at www.peoplesmemorial.org to learn more. While you're there, check out their event calendars for upcoming virtual classes and download their free resources to get started on your own end-of-life plan. All right. Great. And I just want to interject a quick thing here. Okay. I, I had the honor of being on the People's Memorial Board for a number of years. Oh, that's right. Including being their board president also for a few years there. And mm. while it is based in Washington and while a number of the services they provide are Washington-based, the information, the resources, is real. That's really solid stuff. So please, if you're listening in and you go, well, I'm not in Washington, I'm in Wisconsin, please check out their website anyway, because I think you'll find some very helpful resources, especially when dealing with uh, end-of-life planning. Also, the people are so nice. So if you are in Wisconsin and you're like, I don't see anything, just send them an email and they will totally hook you up. They're great. great. If you have questions um, outside of the state of Washington, and we're going to have to have Amanda on it uh, on our show because I have asked them to help me with some funeral issue in Chicago and a couple of years ago, and they were really helpful there. So anyway, that's our plug for People's Memorial. So Hallie... (laughs) Take it away. Okay, so we, well, Elizabeth sent me an email one morning and was like, okay, this really cool lady just responded to my Facebook post. Will you, like, research her? And I was like, sure. So I looked her up and I was like, we have to have her on the podcast. So her name is Katharina Thomas. She is a writer and author. Hi, Katharina. Hi, honey. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for being here, seriously. Um, So I have a little bio about Katharina, um, but I'm really, about what she does and how great she is. And um, 
also we all get the pleasure of her beautiful voice this whole this whole podcast um but really after i read this little bio i'm really excited to talk about um the work that she did with her dad during his passing and um really truly i feel like out of grief comes art is is the motto here so katharina is a writer narrative practitioner medical humanities researcher what an infectious disease social scientist again what working with stories as a medium in healthcare. She says that I work with patients and their families experiencing or recovering from critical and terminal illness, using narratives as tools for greater understanding and artistic expression, both in clinical settings and to inform global health policy. Um, anyone who is not driving listening to this and you have a phone or computer nearby, go ahead to her website, which is katharinathomas.com, and you can pull up and see, oh my gosh, a plethora of articles written, stories written, narratives. Um, it's overwhelming in such a great way. Um, so again, thank you for being here. And go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about your grief story and just how you have got your footing um, in this world of, of writing. Thanks, Hallie. So, um, yeah, so as you say, I'm a writer and a researcher in, in global public health. Mm. And um, this is a very personal um, way in which I've used art in grief besides the ways that I've used it in my work. So a year ago, in the middle of the pandemic, actually more than a year ago now, my dad was diagnosed with an acute and aggressive terminal leukemia, acute myeloid leukemia. And my dad was also, he was an urban planner. He was a retired urban planner, but he was also an amateur writer. So he loved to write. He was actually experimenting with podcasting at the time of his diagnosis. Yeah. And so it's particularly meaningful that I get to be here today and mm. honor his, his work, you yeah. know. Um, so when we found out about his diagnosis mm-hmm. um, in those really terrible days after we found out and we initially thought he'd have about 14 months and it ended up just being about four and a half months because mm. that form of leukemia is very aggressive and unpredictable yeah Yeah. but um I invited him because I knew how much he loved to write and he'd just written a book himself about the concept of place uh, a book called place in pieces that he'd just recently finished place in place in pieces place in pieces okay okay and we're just in the process of of getting that online so oh. it's not available for, for patches yet but hopefully soon okay. so I invited him I said you know we were living in different countries so my my father um, was American and he moved to the UK 50 mm. years ago mm-hmm. I had done that journey in return I'd been living in West Africa for about 10 years and I'd recently moved to the US so we were in different countries we were separated by the pandemic and on top of that, he got this diagnosis, which meant he was oh. very immunocompromised. Yeah. So we couldn't easily see each other. So mm. I, this happened, you know, over text. I sent him a message and said, Dad, would you consider joining me on this creative collaborative project where we write our way through your illness yeah. as a kind of touchstone, as a way of you expressing what's happening as a way of you, you know, both of us finding our way through this. So this was your idea. Um, wow. 
It was my idea. And you know what? I was really nervous about asking him. I really? Was, I wasn't sure if he'd say yes. Oh, gosh. I remember how nervous I felt asking. Yeah. <laughs> and he wrote back and it was an, an immediate yes, which oh. made me, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just over the moon. And, and so we were in this really odd situation where we just found out that he was dying. Mm-hmm. And yet we were both feeling actually very inspired okay. <laughs> about this, this project that was being birthed out of that place of imminent death. Mm. Wow. And, and you're in Boston, right? That's right. And your father was where? My father was in a town called Margate in England. Ah, okay. So, so you're doing this very remotely virtually. <laughs> and virtually, it's- right? It was virtual, yeah. And so we were inspired by the writer, the writer Susan Sontag, who had this quote, which we were were both very drawn to, which goes, I don't know if you know the quote, but it goes, um, illness is the night side of life, a more onerous citizenship. Everyone who is born holds dual citizenship in the kingdom of the well and in the kingdom of the sick. Although people prefer to use the good passport, sooner or later, each of us is obliged, at least for a spell, to identify ourselves as citizens of that other place. And so my dad and I were really inspired by this because we both had dual citizenship between the US and the UK, and our relationship had to be virtual. Yeah. So we developed this idea of sending emails back and forth across the Atlantic essentially supporting each other through what he was going through, but it supported me as well. Wow. Oh my gosh. So um, I'm looking up this illness as a metaphor uh, through Susan Sontag. And, and um, so listeners out there, uh, the poem that um, Katharina just read. We will make sure that we have this oh on our gosh. website and uh, in, you know, tag it along with this, this uh, particular episode because that was really a fantastic... That's uh, a friend. I forgot about Susan Sontag. So, so right there, thank you for reminding what a, what a great metaphor illness is, quite frankly, to life. Yeah, so... Thanks. My, okay, so I have technical questions what did you guys end up writing about and what did you end up naming the book? Is it a book? Is it a... It is a book, yes. Okay. And okay. So, so because of this context of travel, which is, was really central to both of our lives, mm-hmm. we used the metaphor of travel to write about his illness. <gasps> so we used the idea of exploring this new country, this new land of terminal illness, together and with me accompanying him as his daughter and him being there as my dad and writing about this as if we were visiting a new country oh my god (laughs) wow so this book yeah and and it was really particularly resonant because my dad and i some of the most meaningful moments we spent together were at airports, either before or after arriving in mm. the countries each of us were in. He loved to vicariously travel um, travel with me when I spent time in West Africa or other places. And so it was really central to our relationship. 
And so this just made total sense that we you were to use this this metaphor in the book. And it also grounded us, you know, it also gave us a way of mapping the landscape of terminal illness because it's a frightening place. And by seeing it as as a place that we could navigate together, it felt somehow more <laughs> manageable. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I'm very emotional. It really makes me miss my dad. Oh. But um <laughs> for, but for for listeners out there, um you can't see the beautiful Hallie here. Oh. Hallie just lost her dad reason. in February and um the this discussion which is a wonderful wonderful tribute uh and artistic yeah. revelation Katrina I cannot thank you enough for being here and sharing this this with us but um has really moved Hallie and yeah. I just know <laughs> wow. those of you out there uh, we all have to we we all have to take a moment here because <laughs> although I lost my dad in '96, what you're sharing with us, Katrina, is really amazing and bring, bringing up a lot of uh, incredible memories. I mean, this creation of art um, with your parent, like this this beautiful relationship, is I mean, like what I would want for my kids to have with me. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I can only like, I, I wish that I had had, I had done something like this. I mean, in our own version with my dad. Right. I mean, how special that you guys got to be, cre- I mean this. Okay. So I guess for me as an artist, there's nothing more fun than like doing art with someone else. And especially when that mm-hmm. person wants to do it with you, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I just think that this is amazing. <laughs> Um, and then the metaphor and symbolism of traveling and kind of how ironic, like that was some of your most, you know, like the fondest memories with your dad were like in traveling moments. Is that, is that like what I'm gathering? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I just want to say, you know, I, I feel you right now. Like it's, I feel incredibly honored that I got to do this with my dad. It was one of the best yeah. things I've ever got to do. I can't even, you know, it just came together. I want to say effortlessly, but you know, when a project yeah. really just, just does that, I, I, you know, I think we were kind of building for this <laughs> our yeah. relationship in a way, but also, yeah, it was hard and it was painful. And I, I, I you know, since losing him, every time I, I look at our writing, I'm in tears and, you know, you know, so I just, I just want to right. say, yeah. Well, this is the other I side. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, so sorry. Um, this is like the other side of the conversation. So you guys, all listeners, you guys all hear me and Elizabeth and grief dialogues advocating for, you know, have conversations about end of life plan for end of life. Right. And you know, it kind of, we're always like pushing as if like nobody does it, but this is a really great example of, of someone who in a way like they, you guys had a conversation like, okay, this is, this is where we're at. Dad is sick. And so now what? And instead of it being like this struggle bus of like, now what? Now what? You guys were like, okay, cool. Let's do it. Let's make the most of it. And I think that, I mean, it's so beautiful. And um, it's very it's very bittersweet for me to hear just because like my, this is not about me, but my dad's passing was more of a dad, I don't know what you want. And I wish we had talked about it. And, you know, like hearing and seeing somebody else like do something with that conversation 
mm-hmm. and live it out is wow. Anyway, it's pretty powerful. Uh, could you remind yeah. us again what the title of your that poem is? So that was actually a quote by oh. Susan Sontag, which comes from the book Illness as Metaphor. Is that oh. the one you mean? Yes, yes. That's yes. the book and Illness as Metaphor. Got Illness it. is the yeah. night side of life. Yeah. Yes. Night side of life. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. Go no, no. Questions, so, so yeah. um, Catherine, right before we got on the podcast, she said to me, she said, I have just a few little clips if you want, you know, I can play them. And I, I do want you to play them. Um, and now that you've kind of explained everything about this book, this is incredible. Would you play them now or share, share sure. some stuff with us now? Yeah. So there are two clips. So mm-hmm. the first one was about, so my dad and I also recorded audio because he loved podcasting. Yeah, and so that's this cool. is kind of in the process of becoming something. I'm not sure what yet, but that's that's exciting, and I'm grateful that I have this this material to work with because it keeps him alive with me as well. But let me play you the first clip, which is where he's talking about coming to terms with the human condition and his own mortality. And we set this to music that a friend of mine, uh, Jamie Mallory, composed. Okay. So I'm just going to play the first one now. My writing has kept me focused considerably. I'm trying to write about what it means and what it feels like to be diagnosed with a terminal illness. I'm hoping that my writing might be seen by even just one person who might be encouraged by it to think about their lives and to help them put the diagnosis into some perspective. How wonderful a gift life is and how special it is to come to life from the elements of the universe and to go back to them for the rest of time. The more we all appreciate that process, the more we will embrace life to the full and celebrate the universe with all its beauty. Through writing about my journey into illness, I am experiencing the human condition in ways I couldn't have understood before I arrived here. Wow. So that's one mm-hmm. clip. Okay. And what's your dad's name? I'm sorry, can you repeat that for Oh, of course. Thank you for, thank you for asking. Yes, Sam Thomas. Sam? Sam Thomas. Ah, Sam Thomas. Thomas. Okay. 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 T-H-O-M-A-S. Yes. Right. Yeah, with my British accent. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> and my my uh, old age hearing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. And so there's a second clip. Would you like me to play that? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I would. Great. Okay. Here's the second one. Oh, I'm sorry. That was actually the first one. That's okay. okay. Let's go back. When I was five years old, I came crying to my mother that I had realized that I was going to die someday. This was a shock to me out of the blue. It was my initial moment of recognition of the human condition, and I realized even then that there was no escape from it. I wanted my mother to tell me that my fears would never happen. Mm. Of course, it's not possible to avoid the human condition once you're born into it. And my mother told me not to worry now, because my death would happen in a long time from then and that I had my whole life to live and enjoy in the meantime. She dried my tears, and I went on to live my life. She told me that I would have a life ahead of me, and to her, my life would hopefully be beautiful and enjoyable. I accepted her hope for me, and I carried on. Until now, of course. Now I have some estimate of when my life has a good chance of ending. Of course, nothing is written in stone. I could 
Wow. 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 Mm. Wow. Your, your dad sounds so young and not that there's ever a good age to die, but how old was your da- dad? He was 74. Oh, so. my. Okay. Okay. So, um, wow. very use, youthful sounding and, um, there's a lot of energy in his voice. Yes. So yeah. working with him, but knowing that he has a terminal illness, um, how, how are you able to, boy, I don't know if I could do that because it must have been really hard. How are you able to work with him knowing that this was the end or coming to the end? Yeah. It's a good question. I think something in me just did it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. Something in me just did it. Yes. I felt the call to do it um, coming from somewhere within me. But I think that came from a place of having worked with patients who were experiencing critical illness in the past. Right. Mm. So I've worked with patients who've been recovering from Ebola in West Africa, other really challenging diseases, family members left right. behind. You, so, you work with a lot of grief already yeah I guess you can put it that way I hadn't really thought of it but you're right yeah I mean well I mean that was something I thought of when I was reading um I mean right like before we have somebody on the show guys of course we we talk to them and we read like what they do and what they've done and you know why they're going to be on our show and so when I was going over her story I was like wow she works in a very thick grief world already you know, so in, in my mind, I kind of almost viewed that like you, this kind of, uh, I don't want to say this prepared you for this. I don't think that that's the right thing to say. I think you, but maybe you can get to where I'm going with that. Definitely. I think it almost trained me for it. And mm. there's a concept in, um, in global public health called patient accompaniment, which is essentially oh. accompanying, walking with the patient as they go on what we call the patient journey. And so the idea is not to necessarily help or fix, but just to be with them, listen, connect, mm. be present in a difficult terrain, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my work doing that and working with other amazing doctors, nurses, other folks in public health who do that every day really informed my approach with my dad to be able to do that. Yeah. But the other thing I want to say is this wasn't, my dad and I were both very committed to this not being a miserable project. <laughs> Which is beautiful. Yes. This is... Right. And how did you do that? Well, my dad was a very optimistic person. So it kind of came mm. naturally to him. You know, he had mm. his moments, of course, of getting yeah. very down about what he was going through. And he, you know, of course, he wasn't just constantly positive. It was hard. Yeah. Right. But... He was very tuned into, you know, for example, in the first part of the book, he wrote about the, you know, the first, the first email that we sent back and forth was not about how hard this was. He wrote about how grateful he was Mm. um, to have had a beautiful life, uh, to have got the chance to live it and to now be, as he put it, giving it back to the universe. He was a philosopher, really. So he thought of things in those terms and we're also really lucky that we come from a legacy of a family where there had been experiences of uh critical illness and and death you know I lost a cousin when she was very young we'd together Mm. as a family been through things and been able to find the beauty and the 
amazing landscapes in difficult places. And so it wasn't, I don't remember ever being depressed while doing this. I remember wow. being very deeply sad, but also yeah. very uplifted. Of course, you know? of course. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So um, <clears throat> when she was, when I was reading all of her information um, before the show and preparing, I was completely overjoyed and shocked to hear or read from you that the hospital actually recognized this writing, this this collaboration as part of his treatment. And that is huge to me because, you know, us at Grief Dialogues, we're like, don't let the arts die, right? Like, they cannot go anywhere. Please don't take them away. And I truly, we believe out of grief comes art and that art is a healing tool. And, and maybe not healing, but also just a tool in general. Um, how did that conversation go? Can I be nosy and ask? How, how did that, with the doctors, like at what point did they say that to you? Like, oh yeah, this is helpful. Absolutely, yeah. And again, I was nervous asking them, but I just felt, my dad had, he was really lucky. He had an amazing doctor and he went through the UK treatment system through the NHS in the UK for his leukemia. Mm-hmm. And he had an amazing um, equivalent of, an attending doctor in the US, what we call a consultant in the UK. And he was somebody who was very tuned into listening to patient stories, uh, very naturally empathetic. And so we got very lucky, I have to say. But when my dad and I were working on this, at some point I went to his doctor because this was all happening virtually. I couldn't be in the UK because Mm. of the reasons I outlined before, right. they would have, you know, consultations and they would set out a chair for me and put the phone on the chair. And so I was always wow. in the room and present. Yeah, I got to be there. And so mm. one time I just asked, I said, you know, my dad and I are working on this writing project together. And we were interested in actually using some medical images from the scans my dad was having. Yeah. And so I put it to the doctor and I said, you know, how would you feel about this? Is this something you could support? And he was really supportive to the point where he kept asking how the writing project was going and he wow. alluded to the fact that this was supportive for patients going through something something like this okay so so, so this was a hospital in england in england that's okay. right yes yeah great, great okay so then here step step further in my question um being someone who works in clinical medical setting often, which has a lot of grief. Um, have you seen, did, I mean, did you get this idea because you've seen it done before or, and have you seen others who are in, have terminal illnesses use art as, as their form of, of just, I don't know, just as, have you seen, have you seen them use art as well? And it'd be helpful, you know, like, yeah, so I hadn't seen this idea done before. It kind of just emerged organically. Right, but right, 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 okay. Yeah, but then working in medical humanities and narrative medicine, you know, that's kind of the, the mission, right, to try and unite art and medicine because they're so supportive of each other and mm. in our world that likes to separate things and see things in segues, that's not always recognised. And so... I'm always, everything I approach in my work is kind of with an eye to doing that. And so I, I want to see those things united because I know how, how mutually supportive they are. And so that kind of informed that approach for me as well. But I had worked with 
yeah, with survivors of Ebola in West Africa. And that was mm. using oral histories, oral storytelling to offer a space where if they wanted to, they could tell and record their stories, share wisdom from what they went through from a really impactful, very, very difficult experience. You know, I think, um, I, and I'd also worked with COVID patients in the very beginning of the COVID outbreak in a mm. hospital in Boston. And mm. I'd been running, facilitating writing groups and poetry groups for wow. patients who were recovering and just yeah. saw the ways in which that brought groups together and helped people access parts of themselves. And generate conversation. and Totally, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. And just express, because sometimes you just need to to move through something, you just need to be able to express it and share it with someone in a way that feels right for you. I love that. Sometimes you need to move through something and express it in a way that feels real to you. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. That's that that is it. Okay, so here's my wrap-up question for you. We always like to ask our um guests. What advice, you know, we, we always ask, what advice would you give to somebody who is, you know, feeling, feeling very relatable to, you, to the guest and, you know, all those things. But my question for you is what advice would you give those experiencing loss or illness and are considering doing something or, or love this idea of what you've done and would like to do it as well? Like if, if my dad was passing right now, I would have been like, and after talking, and I talked to you prior, like right now and then, you know. I would have been like, oh my gosh, dad, you know, I heard this great, I heard about this lady who did this with her father, they wrote a book, but our thing is music, do you want to write a song? Like, this immediately piques my interest, and I think that I could do it, you know, if I had the chance. Um, But is there anything during that process that you would give as advice to somebody? Like, I mean, and even up to like the logistical stuff, like, is there a way that you recommend approaching the doctors is, I mean, logistically, I had no idea that this was virtual. So, I mean, but do you have any advice on, on that process? Yeah. Thanks for asking. I think the process is different for everybody, but I think what it has in common is finding that, medium right as you say like for some people that might be music it might yeah. be mm. art it might it might not be something that we think of conceive of as art in the traditional sense it might be growing a garden together it might oh, be oh, yeah. working on a painting it might be recording a story I don't know but I think finding a way you know my dad wrote about how important it was to him to him to have a project to take him through his end of life stage and he said you know that could have been anything it could have been this book it could have been just spending more time with the grandchildren yeah. whatever a project that just kind of you know gives you a structure and a container as you move through so i i totally recommend it it was as i say you know one of the most incredible things i ever got a chance to do <laughs> and it keeps my dad alive and with me but i also want to say that i don't necessarily think it's too late after after death I think it can be done in grief as well right Mm, like I think mm. that we got the chance to collaborate at the end of his life and that was beautiful but there are ways afterwards as well you know I've just recently been thinking about working with like home movies that my dad had recorded in the 80s you know is there some kind of collaboration we can do there is there something he's passed down to me some kind of artistic inheritance that 
could form a project. This is kind and of so there are like so many this. ways. Yeah, I know. I think that's I, I. This is kind of nutty, but my dad was really good at like fixing up the house <laughs> and as you listeners know I just bought a home and it's an older home and there's lots to fix up and I've surprised myself with the knowledge that my dad has imparted on me and and I'm over here like fixing drywall and screwing things into the wall and all sorts of you know but oh, wow. um, so so I you know and I'm such a logical minded person I'm like well that's not art but I guess kind of in a way it's yeah, creative. building a home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It totally is. Yeah, my dad was also very into DIY, so yeah. he would be appreciating this conversation like your dad too. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely think that that's, you know, that's, I did not inherit my dad's DIY skills, but the fact that you're doing that is really cool. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah that is, um, I love the idea of doing something after. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a lot of times, yeah, yes, it would be great to do it during and, and do it with, but um, sometimes just the the uh, amount of time, energy that it takes for caregiving, that you, it just yeah. you just couldn't go there if you wanted to. Right. So uh, I love the idea of doing this afterwards. And it, so okay, um, give Hallie an idea. What what would you suggest she do right now as a step? Oh yeah, her number one step to do something with her dad. <laughs> I think just feel into the gifts that your dad left behind for you and where you would like to take them to express to express your your love for him your relationship with you you know yeah because, yeah that's very vague advice I'm afraid but no I'm no writing. I was actually writing this down did you say feel into the gifts yeah. Oh, I, I love so. that term I because it's very too. active. So just being present with yourself at the moment yeah. and feeling what it was your your dad yeah. left behind in terms of, obviously, I knew your dad, so in terms of his that's music, um, in terms of those you know, kinds of things, that, that's a great idea. Um, so what is what is next with um, your dad's book and your next and with step? You. And with you, yes. Yeah, so I just kept writing. So after my dad and I had letters going back and forth, at some point, you know, he, and again, he would use this analogy of travel. He said to me, you know, at some point, I'm going to have to leave to catch the plane. So you're going to have to continue this. Oh, my wow. goodness. This is <laughs> a man in his metaphors. This is I the most it. emotional know, right? podcast. <laughs> my wow, gosh, I was I not equipped. Oh, and so he did. Wow. He had to leave to catch the plane in oh. September. Um, mm. And I, I carried on writing to him, mm. and that's been really, really hard because he's not there to respond. But <sighs> I felt like to write through the grief, I've just kept writing. So that's the way of completing the book. And unfortunately, he's not there to complete it with me. But that's <sighs> how grief goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the idea is to to finish that and to find a publisher and. Wow. We've also had some of his friends in the community, and this is a good idea as well, actually, I think, in grief. We had, you know, my dad's closest friend in England contributed a, a beautiful painting he did that may become a piece of art in the book as well. So I think you mm. can also work with the community 
because, you know, in those, even in just talking with my dad's friends who I didn't know that well, I'm getting to know my dad in other ways. Right. Yeah. I'm in that stage right now where I'm learning things about him and I'm like, wow, what? Different perspectives than just my, like, I'm the daughter childhood, you know, that's dad, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. So, that's amazing. Um, if we want to know more about you or follow your journey, mm. um, do you have a website? What yes. do you have? I have a website. So it's uh, KatharinaThomas.com. Yes. We'll have and that I'm link also, in our work, people. Yes, yes. And then she's also on Twitter. And on, I'm also oh, on Twitter okay. and um, building out being on Instagram as well. So both of those are KLG Thomas. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. We'll make sure we get that in there and please keep us posted on your journey. And by the way, I have a very wonderful friend who's a literary agent. Uh, And when you are ready, um, let me know and we can talk it through. And if uh, uh, my friend is very much into unusual, uh, topics, probably not the right word, but anyway, it sounds to me like your project is something she might be very right interested in. And that's another thing we like to do here is uh, share ideas, but also help people um, uh, promote that opportunity to, to share how to deal with Absolutely. grief through art, wow. in particular, wow. through art. So thank you so much. I would love to know. pick you up on that. Yeah, that's a beautiful offer. Okay, thank Kath- you. Katharina, you have to promise to be our friends forever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <here>. Likewise, yes. <laughs> yes. Let's love to have you back on the show, but but definitely let's uh, let's keep talking and let's share yeah, sharing your art. Uh, sharing your art with us has been fabulous and um, i just have to be so honest thank you for the listeners who have listened to me sniffle this whole <laughs> podcast i was not i mean i was very prepared to talk to katharina and break it down and i was very excited and then man did that just hit me like wow so um thank you so much for sharing all of that all of that information because that's not necessarily something that's very easy to just share so right thank you and we are so glad that you were here with us today So thank Thank you you. all for listening in um, to another episode. And we'll be back next week with another topic. But in the meantime, I have literally five pages of notes from this one. So we'll be sharing some of this great ideas in uh, coming up as well on our website, griefdialogues.com. You guys have an amazing Wednesday and do something artsy. Bye-bye.